I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Today we're going to continue our Instrument Spotlight series with the instrument that can really make or break any band, and that's the drums. That's right. The drums can truly make or break. Well, the drummer can make or break <laughs> any band, like your, physically, your usually. <laughs> your life, you know. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, the drums, I mean, we, we, of course we think everything's important, but I mean, the drums truly are crucial. I mean, you could actually, you know, a bad, as much as we think pianists are important, yeah. I mean, we could just lay out if we're, if we're not feeling it's it true. or if it's a bad pianist. But I mean, the drums, they got to play and they can screw the whole thing up. A bad drummer can ruin your whole night. Right. It's so true. Luckily, a good drummer can make your day. And that's what we're going to be talking about that's today. Right. We're going to focus yeah. on the positive that's here. Right. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, drummers, I think, you know, for us, speaking for both of us, Adam, that, that piano drum relationship in jazz is such a fun conversation it's probably the closest uh, conversation that regularly occurs you know i mean the bass is of course there but it's so foundational for everyone it's almost it's almost just like they're laying it down have you ever noticed that like some of your closest friends usually your closest friends in music are are the drummers Actually, I actually have no friends that are drummers. I love playing with them, but I can't Dang. stand them. <laughs> no, of course. No, no it is. It's always yeah. like my tightest relationships are with the drummers in the band. Yeah, and I mean, drummers are often, um, it, you know, actually good drummers are usually really good friends, too. Exactly. Because they, they've got, again, like we talked about bass players having that foundational personality. Drummers, you know, usually have a, a really strong friends. They're really good at conversing. They're funny. They're funny. Yep. They, they know how to listen. They know how to dialogue. All the things that make a great drummer, huh, it turns out in, in real life, IRL, it works too. Drummers are also definitely the band member that you want to go out with after the gig, usually. Of course. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. 100%. But uh, let's talk about the role in jazz specifically. I mean, yep. um, we did a course with Ulysses Owens a few months ago, and he yep. kind of like did this amazing thing where he laid out the history of the ride cymbal pattern in jazz. But it, it turns into this whole like kind of the history of the instrument, um, starting back with Baby Dodds and, yep. and how you know, Kenny Clark developed Baby Dodds patterns onto the ride cymbal and then how that evolved. It was an amazing thing to watch Ulysses, who's a modern master, no doubt about it, like describe this. And um, you know, for me, in, in my own jazz uh, playing, in my own groups, um, the most important thing for a drummer is, is how do they feel? Yep. And how sensitive are they dynamically? Mm. I think it says a lot about them as a musician if they can play with that same great groove and great feel, but at a level where, as a as selfishly as a pianist, I have a broader dynamic range. Yeah, I, I think that that's super important. And I mean, the drums are, I mean, it's potentially the most, well, no, it is the most dynamic instrument, you know, normally within a, within a sort of normal jazz setup, even a big band In or something. In an acoustic range, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so they can exert the most control over the rest of the band just dynamically. Totally. I mean, the, you know, the piano, we have a lot of power. There's, it's a very big dynamic range, and it certainly can do things that drums can't. But just in terms of pure dynamics and, and, I mean, and then driving the band, it's the drums. So they can exert that control at those crucial times. I would say like the, the piano and really probably even the bass is the most consistent sort of subtle, 
underlying control and foundation of the band. But at those crucial moments, I mean, think about the great big bands. You cannot have a great big band without a great drummer. You can have a great big band without a great pianist. Yeah. You can have a great, you can have a great big band without a pianist, period. That's right. <laughs> um, you can even have one, I mean, you know, lead trumpet you probably need, but they don't have to be great. If the drummer isn't great, it's just, you, you, you never talk about great big bands without a great drummer. Do you know what, to me, what, what creates, I think, some of the greatest drummers is how they, how they enhance what's going on by, by putting, like, punctuation to things with whatever's happening musically, it kind of goes back. Have you ever looked at like the auxiliary percussion in a in a Beethoven score, like a classical score? Right. Like they, you know, these classical, especially the, in the classical era, literally the classical era. Right. The composers use the percussion as as literally to enhance, you know, a chord or a note. Yep. It would never, it would almost never be on its own. Right. You know, it would be it would there. Punctuate. It would be there to punctuate to add yep. color to something else. And I still think good drummers kind of understand they instinctually understand that concept that I can add something I can punctuate I can accent something that's happening in the music that nobody else in the band can right right you know? yeah and and it's the kind of thing I mean it's it's as much art as it is subtle uh, uh, just intuition when to do it how to do it all that thing and like you look at the great drummers and you can kind of isolate certain skills like their time and their technique and stuff and then all of a sudden they do that magical little setup and oh, fill man. and you're like ah oh, and they make the music just feel so right, and that's what really separates, you know, the the, the true masters from the. Um, wow, it's a little coffee you're pouring. Sorry, I'm, there. I'm pouring coffee here. I guys. wish that was a little bourbon you're pouring so, in a lot celebration of, a lot of, of great drummers doing today. Sorry, yeah. everybody. Yeah, we're on episode number 743. <laughs> but I mean, I think you know the drummers we're going to talk about today are really those kind that have that 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 sort of you know that that je ne sais quoi. I mean, it's almost when I leave a concert, especially like right afterwards when I haven't sort of digested it, yeah. the first things that come to my mind are usually something that the drummer had, yeah. had done. Like, I'll never, ever forget uh, seeing Wayne Shorter with Brian Blade and, and some of the things that he did in that concert to, oh. to punctuate Wayne yeah. was some of the most brilliant artistry I think I've ever seen. Yeah, you know? yeah and I would say Brian is like, you know, you know I, I love all these, the, the, these drummers. I mean, Brian Blade, Greg Hutchinson, yep. Ulysses. I mean, these are probably like the last few, you know, last years. Herlin Riley. Yep. I've been very, like, these drummers I've worked with more than probably any other drummers. So actually, I should be way better than I am considering the drummers <laughs> I work with. I haven't really worked with very many scrubs, right, if any, on, you know. Don't be so hard on yourself, man. No but, yeah, I would say Brian, like, one of the things that really epitomizes his drum mastery is this ability to, to punctuate in a very sensitive way, oh, man, you know, so I mean, all the drummers punctuate, but like he does it in a super sensitive musical way and not in an obvious way. Like that's not really his thing, like to do the obvious ones. He, in fact, he'll do some subtle kind of anti ones and then he'll hit an obvious yeah. one. It's so almost like syncopation. He sets you up for yeah. it. Yeah. A lot so of drama, patient. a lot of drama. And then, I mean, of course he has like that very subtle like a lot of people wouldn't look at him and say like he's a killing groove drummer but he's always got that groove there it's yeah. just it's it's its own stylistic it's very subtle way that he grooves very strong though very strong groove so who's on your mount rushmore for let's say 20th <laughs> century we'll say the you know the old oh, 20th century yeah, yeah. um well ooh. so i mean i think you know max roach yeah, yeah. uh you mentioned kenny clark um, you know, Baby Dodds, who I hadn't heard a lot until we did that, you know, the chorus. I mean, I'd heard him, but I kind of went back to really hearing and understanding. I mean, you talk about coming out of the New Orleans things, Baby Dodds. Um, but, uh, man, 20th century, that was a long time ago, well, man. It wasn't that long. Tony Williams. 
yeah. Tony Williams, although he extended beyond the 20th century. I mean, Tony Williams was such, like, he's, I, I think he's probably influenced more of the drummers that I've played with. You're talking about, like, Greg Hutchinson, Brian Blade, Terry Lynn Carrington. Um, well, he kind of changed the instrument a little bit. I mean, he yeah. changed the way it felt, yeah. for sure. And it's funny because you can't necessarily say he's, I mean, you could certainly say he's the greatest jazz drummer ever, and no one would argue with you, but he probably wouldn't. I mean, he's one of the greatest. Right. But he's, he's kind of had an outsized influence on everyone. Like, whereas somebody like Elvin Jones, who, again, you could say is the greatest jazz drummer yeah, ever, yeah, you yeah. know, like, he's influenced, like, like, I hear his influence in Brian Blades playing maybe a little bit more pronounced than some other drummers, mm-hmm. but, like, Tony Williams, I hear him in every young or middle-aged drummer. Some part of it, you know, something. Jeff Watts, you there's, know. There's something, yeah. Yeah. Now, Jeff Watts is someone kind of from our generation that's probably influenced more of his peers than anybody. I was going to say, would, Jeff Watts think. probably intru- in, uh, influenced as many young drummers as even Tony Williams. Yeah, this one. yeah. There's so many. I mean, he's almost like, I always figure, I mean, I wasn't around during that time, really, but from what I've read and heard, like, Bill Evans was somebody like that that really influenced his own generation a lot. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that Jeff Watts is just like, I mean, Carl Allen, who I just played with recently, I love his playing. Great player. And, and like, he's kind of the A to Z. And you think of him as more of a traditional drummer, but, um, and he is. I mean, he's really can play the tradition. But then he's got some Jeff Watts stuff that he'll throw at you. And it's like, wow. But it's that bridge, too, with, with Tony Williams, certainly big influence I'm on I'm going to put a little bit of a hipster spin on my Mount Rushmore with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I like Max Roach, too. I think you can't have a list yeah. of hit drummers of the 20th century without him. Uh, I'm going to put Vernell Fournier on oh, there. Of course, I mean New Orleans exclusively for his work with Amad Jamal. For me, is what I yep. know him from. I mean, and and that uh, as a young musician informed my sense of how a trio could sound. Right. And, well, then that brings to mind Ed Thigpen uh, with with Oscar there Peterson, who like some people look at these drummers as limited because they were so associated no, with man, doing one right. trio. That's because those there was the trio was so good they had a lot of gigs and they made a lot of money. They didn't have to go do other <laughs> gigs, right, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, all, of course, uh, Jimmy Cobb, Philly Joe, for, oh, yeah. for all the great work. Man, I don't even know how I... I didn't yeah. forget them. They just weren't top of mind. But, yeah. And I mean, I heard Jimmy Cobb like two months ago here in St. Louis. Right. And I mean, it's an amazing thing because at his age, he is Jimmy Cobb. Yep. Like, he's not something else, but he's Jimmy Cobb. So it's like, in some ways, he sounds the same as he did in 1956, which is a great thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Roy Haynes... Oh, Roy Haynes. I mean, that's another one that's still Spans doing the generations, thing. Roy Haynes. Man, yeah. drummers know how to stay youthful, too. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they abuse their bodies and minds like, <laughs> well, like, like, we said, like no other instruments. That's what it's wild with after the gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yet, they're the, like, the last men and women standing, for sure. I mean, Terry Lynn Carrington, now that, there's a drummer that like, I really respect, had a lot of fun playing with over the years. And you know, she's one of those super enterprising drummers that understands music in a way, you know, in terms of production and like, songwriting writing and yeah. playing different styles and she's played on tv shows and stuff yeah, kind yeah. of the kind of the, the the new wave i mean a lot that came after her she's influenced them and then certainly for female drummers i mean she's you know luckily we're at a time now where there's many more female drummers and they're encouraged coming up but when she came up that that was a big thing you know yeah, so she's really paved man. the way yeah like kim thompson out of st louis we're gonna talk absolutely to I mean, yeah but i mean it's like without a terry lynn would that have been as easy i mean not that it was easy but with that would she have been able to get to the point that she would have? I feel like drummers, that's probably has been, you know, traditionally the most stigmatized, uh, uh, you know, a sexist. Right. It's like, oh, you know, women couldn't do it or whatever. It's ridiculous, though. It's, it's so good. Right. And then, I mean, talking about St. Louis, I mean, Montez Coleman, who's, you know, our good friend and, 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 and I just think is, uh, you know, you mentioned something about punctuating things. And I saw your trio play and Montez plays in your trio. I saw you guys last week and I realized like some of the things I was sitting with some other 
uh, jazz aficionados and we were geeking out on some of the stuff that you played and we were like, man, that was killing what Adam just did. Did you hear what Montez? Like, we, we were talking about your solo, but we were referencing That's Montez. Right. Like, he really has that ability to get inside of this, the pianist, especially, like, that discussion with him. And he's always listening and, like, saying the right thing. That's an addicting thing. I think if you're a drummer listening to this right now and you want to work a lot, like, to have that communication as a pianist or as any instrumentist, I would imagine, is... It's, it's like I only want to play with Montez on that, with that group, right? Because like I want to have that vibe all, yeah. all the time. Yeah, and you've developed that rapport. It's not to say that any of these other drummers would be great, but there would be a development to get to that level of That's rapport. So, so just like Montez Coleman, you'll hear it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the You'll Hear It podcast. You can go to you'llhearit.com to get more information, submit a question, or just say hello. Wait, you can do that? Absolutely. All right, and if you like what you heard, please leave a review and a rating below. Thanks. Thanks.